right, you may be seated, you may be seated. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, again, in this chapter, Paul continues his argument uh, concerning the lifestyle of believers and the need for self-discipline as recorded in chapter 8 and 9. We're going to kind of go back a little bit and kind of touch on some things uh, in our reading that pertains to chapter 8 and 9. If you remember, uh, that's when Paul said he became all things all men, that he may win some, but at the same time, that was the discussion about you know, is the idol really real or not? And some believers who were weak conscious did not understand that, that depth of knowledge. And so therefore he said that in order to, to make sure that I don't be a stumbling block for anything, I would do whatever it takes to keep my brother or my sister from stumbling. So if it means I don't eat meat in front of them, I won't eat it, whatever it takes. And so some of that he touched on tonight, again, but from the standpoint of, of worship. And so what I want you to see here is as we go through uh, chapter 10, he kind of takes them back and connect this to Israel's history. And, and, and what I want to ask, you know, and, and our thought is, have we learned any lessons from our ancestors? You know, and I know when you hear the word ancestor, that can be, you know, uh, looked at two different ways. One, you ought to see ancestors like in your own personal family. And normally they say you ought to kind of go back at least two generations to your grandparents. And if you if you living long enough and you knew uh, your great grandparents to your great grandparents, and sometimes you ought to be able to ask yourself, did I learn anything from grandmama or granddaddy? Is there anything that they did that would be beneficial for me now in this time? That's in the context of your personal family. But then when we look at it from the context of our ethnic group, we got asked, did we learn anything from our ancestors? What did we learn about what they went through? Slavery. What do we learn about what your granddaddy and grandmama, great-granddaddy and great-grandmama went through with segregation? and uh, What they learned, how they got, got through those things? Or what did they learn just by how to live in an oppressed state? And if that got passed down, then now we ought to learn something from that so that, hey, if they made mistakes and we knew about those mistakes, we got to do something different, you know? And, and, if, and, and if they taught us some things that are good, then we got to follow up on those things. And so I think there's a lot of things that happen to us as a people because we don't really pass on stuff to the next generation. You know, we, we don't talk about it enough and we don't sit down with our kids and share with them, you know, the experience that we went through and their grandparents went through as a result, then that knowledge stopped. So when we read this tonight, keep that backdrop in mind that he was trying to get these people to learn this lesson by connecting it to their ancestors, the things they had learned from Israel. So he says, now look, in verse 1, he says, I don't want you to forget. Somebody say, don't forget. You know, you can't forget what your folk went through. You know, the Jews don't let us forget. Amen. I mean, and, and so we can't let our grandkids know, don't let them forget, because they can forget and they will think that just because they got it a little bit better, the world will change. But they need to know that the world has really not changed that much. So they need not to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. He said, now look, in these next verses here, one through four, 
I just want you to count how many times he say all in all these, in these verses. He says, now, I don't want you to forget what our ancestors went through in the wilderness long ago. Then he says all. Somebody say all. All of them were guided by the cloud. Now, the cloud represented the presence of God as they came out of slavery. You know, God led them by the cloud by day, fire by night, and then, you know, he fed them from heaven. We're going to see that. He says all of them were guided by the cloud. Not some of them, but all of them that moved ahead of them and all, somebody say all again, all walked through the sea on dry ground. Talking about the Red Sea, the Moses experience, leading them out. They all followed Moses. They all was guided by the cloud. They all walked through the sea. So what I hope you're seeing here is that they were all experiencing the same thing. But his point going to be, just because we all experience the same thing, it don't mean we're going to live out that experience the same way. So he says, now look, he says, all of them ate the same spiritual food. Now, the bread from heaven, you got to go back to Exodus chapter 16 and, and talk about what you know when they were in the wilderness, God fed them with the bread from heaven. He gave them specific instructions how much they should gather. For six days, they would gather this amount. On the sixth day, they get a double portion so that it'll cover through the Sabbath. But some of them got greedy and, and, and got too much on every other day and it started turning the worms on them. But you got to gotta go back. So he says, now, they all ate the same spiritual food. God fed them the same thing, that unity, that oneness that he had with them. He says, now, and look at this. This is another one. And all of them drank from the same spiritual water. In other words, when the, God was feeding them through the rock, you know, they was doing pretty good until Moses got upset because they got upset with him. And God told him to speak to the rock, and then Moses hit the rock. That act of disobedience cost Moses. He let the people got to him because they got tired of the same old rock and giving them the same old water. You know sometimes folks just complain. They got water, they ought to be happy. But now they, they, they complaining, and then they done got Moses in trouble. See, that's why, you know, pastor ain't going to let y'all get me in trouble with God. I mean, if I, if I think God told me something, he don't make no, y'all don't complain all you want. You ain't going to get me in trouble with God. Because people going to complain. That's just the nature of some people. And so what they got to understand is when you complain in, in this environment, your complaint is not against man, it's against God. And so what, what he was trying to get them to see, now look, they all ate the same thing. They all drank the same spiritual water. He says, for they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them. And again, all this is in Exodus and some of this is in Numbers. And this will be some of those things that you can kind of go back and look up if you care to read some of those things uh, in Exodus chapter uh, 17, Numbers chapter 20. He says, the spiritual rock that traveled with them, God provided for them while they was traveling. He, he met their need. He protected them. He guided them. And we see these things happen here. And the key word is that he did it for all of them. Well, right now I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Mm-hmm. In verse 4. He says, and so he says now, for they drank from the same spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. So Paul referred to what God was doing for them then as a symbolic 
representative of Jesus Christ being our rock, being our provider, being all the things. Because he's talking to them from the standpoint now of uh, in the New Testament. So he said, hey, I'm going to connect these experiences in the Old Testament to Jesus. That's why we say Jesus Christ is is in the Old Testament, but he's in there in types and figures and, and ways that things that he that God did through people, you can see him in those things. And that's why I tell people, you can't just be a New Testament Christian. You got to deal with the whole Bible and get an understanding because if you didn't understand the Old Testament, all these things he's talking about here now comes right out of Numbers and Deuteronomy and Exodus. So you got to have some kind of knowledge of that. He says, now look, he says, now all them drank, uh, drank the same spiritual water, for they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Now all four of those verses, we see the word all. All was guided, all walked through the Red Sea, all baptized as followers of Moses, all drank the same spiritual ate the same spiritual food, all drank the same spiritual water. But that key word in verse 5, yet, in spite of all them alls, God was not pleased with most of them. It's a possibility that in spite of all these folk that go to church on Sunday, Come to Bible study. Go to fellowship. All these things we do together on first Sunday, we're going to have communion this Sunday. All. It's a good possibility that most of the folks ain't going to do none of the stuff that God tells them to do. Even though they all experience the same God. The same provision, the same protection, the same direction. But he says, yet God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. <laughs> That's tough right there. I know we New Testament Christians don't want to see no scattering in the wilderness of, some, of the bodies. See, we don't believe God has scattered some folks and leave in the wilderness. We just think that, you know, because Jesus came, you know, everybody's going to be good to go. But he said, we, we got to learn from this. Now, if this wasn't going to be applicable, why would he want me to learn this lesson? So if you're telling me to learn from this lesson, that may be mean to me that God is still concerned with how his children live. And what happened here is that because that generation did all those crazy things, when you go back and study that, you'll find out when it came time to go in the promised land of that generation, of those that were 40 years and, and older, 20 years and older, Joshua and Caleb, the only two that got in. Everybody else would have been under 20 when all this foolishness was going on. So God let a whole generation die in the wilderness. Even though they all drank the same thing. They all ate the same thing. They all came through the Red Sea and was baptized. All got baptized right here in Strive. All. But God ain't pleased with everybody that come to church. Amen. So now that's a personal question. We got all that to say. Is God pleased with major? 
And that's something Major got to I can't answer that for Major. Is God pleased with Brother, Brother Purdue? Is he pleased with Brother Mike? Is God pleased with you? Even though you're sitting right here now, online with us right now, is God pleased with you? Just because you're going through the motion and getting all this teaching don't mean that God's... I mean, that, that's, that's tough, right? They say, he's working on you? Well, you want to keep letting him work in the right direction, amen? Because you, you don't want to fall in the, hands of, in the hands of an angry God. So let him keep doing his work. But I, I thought that when he says, yet God was not pleased with most of them. And their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now look at this. He says, this way, get, let us know. These things happen as a warning to us. We weren't even there. But when we study this and we go back, we're supposed to learn something from their example. And, if, and what we learn should cause us to do just the opposite of what they did. So this whole Bible is written for our learning so that we can know how to live and how God expects us to act and carry ourselves. He says, now these things happen as a warning for us. Sometimes people just don't want to heed the warning. They just don't. You can give one. Some people read the warning on medicine. Warning. This could do this to you if you take too many. And they still read it and take too many. Warning. This could be hazardous to your health if you smoke too many of them. They put those warnings on the pack because they know that stuff will kill it for. And people read the warning and say, I'm going to just do what I want to do. So it's no different than us reading the Bible tonight and walking out of here and saying, I'm just going to do what I want to do. Because you don't see this as a warning. This is for somebody else. This ain't for me. This is for somebody else. See, we're reading this and we're seeing other people's pictures when we ought to be seeing our pictures and their pictures so that we can say, hey, this warning is for me. God is telling me that some things I need to take a look at in my life and see from these people's example what is he trying to warn me of? So that if I understand that then now he's warnings are designed to allow us to have time to make a decision to make some changes. Or move or get out the way. Just like when they give us hurricane warnings. Some people heed the warning. Some people say, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm going to take my chance. Okay, you can do that. But when the storm gets tough, you can't look back and say, shoulda, woulda, coulda. That was 12 hours ago. You didn't heed the warning. So when you don't heed the warning, you got to be willing to ride out the storm. And now you're going to be praying double hard. When you could have been up in Tennessee somewhere, watching on television, and hoping it didn't hit your house. See, I learned that lesson one time. We stayed down here one time. And after that, I said, next time, anytime they get a warning, see ya. I know too many people to go to see that I can get out of here. But now that's up to people. So he said, these things happen as a warning to us so that we would not crave, somebody crave, say crave. So that we would not crave evil things as they did. Or worship idols as some of them did. So he said these warning comes to kind of cut our craving. Because if we let flesh have its way, flesh will cause us to crave something. And, and, and sometimes those cravings will take us back to a place that God has brought us from. And so that's why he said, now, you got to heed the warning. 
When you see your flesh is trying to pull you back to a place that God didn't deliver you from, you got to see that as a warning sign that, hey, I got to make some changes to my life. I got to do something different. He said, now, they happen to warn us because God knows this flesh will crave evil things. You don't have to teach, you don't have to teach it too hard. It just crave evil David said, I was conceived, you know, in sin. So, just think about your natural children. I don't know any parent that considers themselves a good parent that say, I'm going to teach my child how to be bad. I'm just going to teach him from the time he's three. Today is biting 101. And I want you to go to school, and I want you to bite by three folks. I'm going to teach you that. Here's how you do it. Just grab them by the arm, and then once you grab down, just, uh, just bite them. I don't think no parent do that. But most little Johnnies and little Marys know how to bite. With no teaching. No formal teaching. Why? Because in them is the ability to do wrong, even at a young age. Put them in the sandbox, somebody's going to throw some dirt. You ain't going to teach him. I ain't going to teach him how to throw dirt 101. That wasn't in the curriculum. The, the enemy taught him that. And so that lets me know the enemy worked with our children from a young, young age. Lisa, go ahead. I got a question, Pastor. Mm -hmm. um, yes, sir, I do. With my lifestyle, and at an early age, I did introduce my kids to some worldly things, you know, um, putting a gun in their hand saying they're going to grow up carrying a 22 at the age of two you know stuff like that and um, with that I, w I was teaching them the wrong things and so for years as I grew that kind of bothered me and put me in a depression but even things I let them hear, see. So I did teach them bad things, huh? I planted a seed of, of help me out now. You, you put them in an environment that gave the enemy a whole lot to work with. Okay. They were probably gonna learn, see if you were doing bad, they were gonna learn from you anyway. Uh-huh. Cause they gonna pick up from what they see you do. Mm -hmm. Most kids that smoke and do all that, they do that cause they see their parents do it first. Yeah. And then the parents grow up and say, well, it's bad. Don't you smoke? Well, they, you do it every day. Mm -hmm. Two, three, four times, 20 times a day. And now you're going to tell me it's bad? So that's a contradiction. So I do think sometime in our youth when we were not rooted and grounded in God's word, we could have exposed our children to some things. And this happening today. I'm pretty sure that there are some kids that are being exposed to drugs at an early age. And I would hope that parents were trying to shield them from it but man, if you got an addictive behavior and you got children, your children is at risk. And that's why we have agencies now to look out for those kids when their mom and dad are cutting the food. Called Child Protective Services. They will come and take your children and advocate for them because parents are going to do it. 
Now, and I'm glad to hear you share that with Lisa, and I hope that from that experience now, you may be able to share that with some young parents today. Say, hey, look, I made some, you know, I made some bad moves out there coming up. They came and tucked them. I, I woke up the second time when they came in and removed them, but I didn't quite understand you know, because I was providing for them. I was doing my best, I mean, but they had all rights to come and do what they do, with, you know, removing them, and that was for the best, I guess. From their standpoint, I would imagine, I hope from your kids' standpoint, if you was introducing them to guns at that early age and that lifestyle, it, it probably was for that, but even though you may not have understood it to be, because again, in that environment, you probably felt, say, hey, this is, this is what I am. This is what I do. So therefore, because I'm in this environment, I'm acclimated to it, then I don't see the danger in right. it. Even though that is danger, I'm in denial that it can't happen to me. It is no different than if a person grow up next to a dump, and if they live next to that dump long enough, the stink won't bother them. They'll get used to it. They'll come home and you'll say, but now when you go down there to visit them, the first thing you're going to say, man, some stink here. But that person got acclimated to it and they have made the adjustment. And that's what happened when sin gets out. Sometimes we just make the adjustment because flesh will make the adjustment and then we will accommodate sin and try to make ourselves believe that, hey, it is okay. Because most sins appeal to our flesh, and flesh is gratified through that process. So as a result of that, flesh ain't going to never try to come against you. It's going to be your spirit that's going to be trying to get you out of that foolishness. But if your spirit is weak and your spirit is dead, then guess what? You're going to give in to what's controlling you. And so he said, these people have the same thing. Now, these, these people crave. So we can all crave something. I mean, it, it can be from food to just habits or behaviors. I mean, it's easy to get caught up into it. And once you get caught up into a craving of something, when your body cry out for it, then you're going to try to get it. Unless you get your cravings under control and allow the Spirit of God to start changing something. And then that's about renewing your mind you got to start thinking a little bit different because now reading this and say, hey, we're supposed to be learning from these folks' mistakes. They were all baptized. They all followed Moses. They all ate from the same thing. They followed the same cloud. But God wasn't happy with most of them. Just look at TV. Just look at church today. Do you think God is happy with everybody that go to church today? Just because they showed up on Sunday? or they came to Bible study, or they sang in the choir, or they teach. We don't know that, but God knows. So it's a good possibility that there's a percentage of people in the church today who are all in the right place, around the right people, doing the right thing, but God ain't. Let me go back to verse 6. He said, these things happen as a warning to us so that we would not crave evil things as they did or worship idols as some of them did. As the scripture says, the people 
celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pa pagan revelry. In other words, in today's vernacular, they were just wilding out. They were just, they were just, well, just look up those words there. When you see festive drinking and they indulged in pagan revelry, revelry is just another way of saying, hey, man, they was, they was at some parties that had alcohol. Wine. Today we had parties that got weed. Pills. Yeah, and some, some of your kids, you better keep up with them. They, when they say they're going to these parties, you better make sure they ain't going to no wild parties. Oh, they, now they just went, they friends. Well, you don't do you know all they friends? So when you, you know, if I had a young uh, adult now, teenager, that man, when they go to a party, I'd be, I'd be asking all the questions, where you're going, who you're going with, what they're going to do there. They may be lying to me, but I'm going to ask the question anyway to put something on their mind before they go. Because the things that people do have not changed. How they do it has. Methods have changed. But the end result, same. We didn't call it wild and out. We called it spiking the punch. And didn't tell them it was spiked. And encouraged them to indulge. Because we want the revelry to start. I don't y'all sit here and look at me like I'm crazy. Some of y'all done been to a wild party. Hey Amen, that's your old life. That's your, you learn from that. How many of y'all done been to a wild party before? Yeah. You got drunk, had to get your head back. I mean, it wasn't wild if, if, you, if you didn't get drunk. You know, wow. And, and, and see, back in the day, when the wild party started, it was always the end game to get sex from somebody. Y'all don't have to look too, don't, don't, don't look too serious right here. Don't look too serious right here. But, 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 that was, but, but, but that was the purpose of the wild party. If we didn't want, if we didn't want to do something wild, we, wouldn't have, we would have had apple juice. We, we wouldn't have spiked it, the punch. We would have just left it grape juice and apple juice and called it a night. But leaving it like that, people would have their right mind. But if I want to get a certain result, I got to change your mindset, and you do that with alcohol. Or drugs nowadays, you know, because like I say, weed is common practice, you know. Just weed is just everywhere now. I mean, everybody's smoking a little weed here, you know. Church folks smoking weed. That's church folk who want to be legalized. I ain't got no problem with that. I mean, they legalize alcohol, they legalize So if they legalize it, and you feel like that's what you're calling, you go ahead and you have your head every now and then. You, you, if, that you, if you feel like that, now if you feel like it, now I, I, would, I can't come to you and say, well, you know, all I can tell you, as long as you don't get so tied up with it that your pupils get so big that you can't function, as long as you're not classified as legally too high to function, they're going to define that for us. It's coming. They, they haven't got defined yet, but it's coming. They're going to determine how big your pupils can get and how, what you, your, you know, like we have to do this test when you're drinking and walk the straight line. They're going to come up with a weed test. They, they got to. 
I understand what the Bible says, Major. Mate, 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 mate. We're going to get that, Major. Don't get to the end of the story, right? Let me just deal with the, the example that we're supposed to learn with. You done read to the end of the story. We, I know. We're going to get there. So, Major, going to let me get there. But, but now, let's be real. Let's talk about it. Okay. Alcohol used to be illegal. Oh, yeah. Moonshine, why they had the moonshine? Then they legalized it. And once they legalized, they had to tell you how much you can have or determine how, when you was drunk. My son-in-law out in Vegas, he worked in the, in, the weed industry. And he worked with regulating these dispensaries. So they know what they can sell, how much they can sell. And so as they're doing that, they're crafting laws to determine when are you legally too high to drive or to function. I'm just, I'm just saying what, what is happening now. These are the laws in our land that's taking place. And because these laws are taking place, there are going to be some Christians that are going to probably feel like, hey, I got a benefit now. But, but the law in the Bible says a sober mind. But that, and that might not even be what the legal limit is. You might not even reach that to get pulled over for drunk driving or whatever. But in your mind, if your mind is not sober after taking one puff or 30 puffs, you know when that is. I, I don't agree think with you, you can take one puff without your mind not being sober. I That's mean, you, Major. Some people don't build up a tolerance. They, 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 I'm, just, I'm, just, tell, I'm just, just coming at them from the other side. You know, one ounce of, you know, Hennessy may not do to you what it would do for somebody else. So, so wait, now let me finish. So now, Hennessy, to drink a glass, a shot of Hennessy, is not against the law. Right. And if Major decide to have a shot of Hennessy, and Pastor Bolden decide to have a shot of Hennessy, and then guess what? Not, nothing illegal about it. But if my shot of one ounce gonna make me drunk, then in God's eyes, I have sinned. Because oh, okay. drunkenness is a sin. If Major, one shot don't make you drunk, then it's not sin. But if your conscience, Major, going back to what we talked about later, tell you that any Hennessy is bad, then you're not supposed to drink it. So, Major, leave that perk alone, because that perk is real strong weed. No, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, like, what my conscience would say. I would, I would be more apt to say how I feel after I drink a glass of Hennessy. Hennessy is strong. I, I know that. Some weed is strong. We, that's what I'm saying. So one hit, your mind thinks different. <laughs> but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're, you're of the legal limit to be called high or, or drunk. So, so the straight answer from Pastor Bolden to everybody is, hey, refrain from all of it. That's the, that's the, that's the line that I'm towing, but I'm a realist. I know that there are Christians out there smoking weed and drinking and so I don't have a legal ground to stand on when it comes to alcohol and say what you're doing is sinful until they cross the line. So I can't regulate and say, okay, Major, it's your anniversary and you want to have a glass of champagne for your anniversary? Knock yourself out, man. What you do with your anniversary, you. Personally, I wouldn't drink it myself, but you don't have to live out my conviction. But if you choose to, that's on you. Get a mic, Major. And it's true, and I think so often, you know, 
I used to always justify it by saying, well, how is this hurting me? And instead, I should have been saying, how is this helping me? Okay, that's a good I, point. I, you know, I mean, I would always justify it and say, man, it ain't hurting me. One shot of him and say, ain't going to hurt me. And that's what he's going to say later on. Even though it's not unlawful, the question is, is it beneficial for me? Right. Is it going to make me better? And we're going to get there. So, so the point is that what we got to clearly define now is sin. Drunkenness is the sin. Got to be clear on that. The Bible's clear. Amen. Having a glass of wine is not sin. Because the word then Jesus caused a whole lot of folks sin. Amen. Amen. When he turned the water into wine. He was sin himself when he was drinking a little bit. Because you know Jesus did drink a little wine. At least that's what the Bible says. Now, we may not want to paint little Jesus like that, <laughs> but the Bible say he drank a little wine. John the Baptist is the one that we should have been celebrating. John the Baptist lived out in the wilderness eating wild locusts and honey. And he didn't drink nothing. He was a major. He didn't drink nothing. And here comes Jesus drinking and eating. And they called him a wine bibbler, and they said John was a madman. So you can't win when you deal with folk, man. I hope you, I'm making light of that. But the point I'm trying to make is sometimes we classify things as sin based upon our personal conviction when the Bible don't classify it as sin. Amen. So if the Bible don't call it sin, I can't call it sin. Amen. I can disagree with you doing it. I can do all that. But I can't call it sin. That's right. That's right. Even when it comes to what's going to happen with the marijuana law. There are some people that believe in, in Jamaica, they believe marijuana is spiritual. And that this is something that God ordained. Because later on, we're going to see that Paul say, the earth is the Lord. And the fullness thereof. So if, if it's in the earth and God created it, then it's all right for me to have a little bit of it. So it's all right if I'm talking about diamonds and gold. Yeah, I want some of that, God. But what if somebody say, I do want a little weed, God, since you created it. I'm going to regulate. I'm going to be. So that's the argument that you got to have with people who don't see things like we do, but we can't come against that unless we can clearly say it is sin. Because when you start living your personal conviction out before people, then now you usurping the Bible. You can be hard, you can be all the way to the right on your beliefs and all that, but you just can't push your beliefs on people that you can't substantiate with the Bible. Pastor, I was going to say, for some people, it is sin. If God told you not to drink, if, if your drinking is going to lead you to do things that are contrary to God's word, and you have a conviction when you go to take a, a drink, you know you're not supposed to be drinking, to you it is sin. To that person. That's an individual testimony. That's, That's individual, right. It's individual, and people, we need to know the difference. So if you're a person who struggles with alcohol, and every time you take a drink, now you're out there acting crazy, and you can't determine what's drunk and what's not, to you it is sin, or it's going to lead you to a path of sin. And so I, I know, hey, these things are becoming legal um, in the world, and what society is calling legal, weed, and, and, and I don't know what could come after that. But as Christians, we are called to be sober-minded, to be vigilant, to understand the times and what's going on, and to not accept everything that is being um, legalized as something that we must partake in. And the word says all things are expedient, 
but all things are not beneficial. That's so, it here. That, we're going to get there. Right. And I'm agreeing with Major. So we got to determine what's beneficial. For you. And not part for, for you. And you. And not partake in everything that is legal. <laughs> but, but I can't say that what you think is beneficial to you is sin if it ain't sin. That's all I'm saying. I can agree with you that, hey, it's better for you not to do it, but I can't tell you if you do it, it's sin. That would be like me telling everybody who gambled it because they gamble, they're going to hell. It's sin. Pastor, I'm going to caveat that. If it's going to lead you to sell your house and your family living on the street, then to you, it is sin. Yeah, well, you, yeah. That's, that's the extreme, but I'm a, I, I ain't going to lose my house. I own it. So I'm, I'm a recreational gambler. Not for real, but if I was. Uh -huh. I make an allowance that every week, this is my allowance. Instead of me going to the movie or to the football game or to eat dinner, I'm going to take that allowance money and I'm going to go buy me some tickets. But pastor. I'm just, I'm just giving you an extreme. I, now your views, your views can be whatever they want, but all I'm trying to get you to see is don't call things sin that's not sin. Okay, but pastor, with me Selling the drugs, I'm trying to survive to feed my children. That's against the law. That, that's, okay. that, 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 that is, see, now you okay. can't, yeah, you, you, okay. that's against the. Okay, all right, I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh -uh. She, so hey, so you're going to have to survive and feed your kids another way. <laughs> Amen. But now, if you in the game and you've been brought up in the game, your whole family in the game, and it's a family business, then it's going to be hard for you to get out of it. But that don't make it right. I mean, because the cartel and the drug dealer, they, they raising up the next generation. Somebody else here? Well, <laughs> Just somebody, well, Fred, go ahead, Fred. Fred, well, well, y'all ain't going to let me finish tonight. Well, to a Christian. Huh? What might not be a sin can become a weight. Not, you might, might not be in all that you could be for Christ because of the weight that you're carrying around. You know, you're, no, you're not sinning when you drink, but it could be a weight to you for other people seeing you drink. Then that could, we could go back to uh, don't be a stumbling block. Fred, I'm, 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 I'm agreeing with you that, Fred, but what I'm trying to say is that that weight, you can't call it a sin. If I've been practicing to run with a 40-pound rucksack on my back and I can run with it, it ain't for you to tell me I need to take it off so I can run faster. You may tell me, hey, it'll be better for you if you take it off, but no, I've been practicing with this on, and therefore I'm going to keep running because it's not a sin for me to run with my pack on my back. It may slow me down, but it's not a sin. So now you got a reason, we got to talk, and you got to show me, hey, there may be a better way for you to do this, but I can't tell you that, hey, because you're doing it, God's going to send a boat of lightning down and take you out because that's sin. That, that, you, so I think we get in trouble. And I used to be the same, way, but I see this a lot now. We are putting our personal conviction on other people. If you can support what your conviction are with a scripture, go for it. And not just one. You normally have to substantiate the word by seeing God's pattern and how he does things. And so... My conviction and major conviction may be different, and major may be a, a Christian that's going to be a little bit, hey, he's stern, he's strict, he believes a straight now, I can't do that. He's just short of being a monk. That feel like, hey, I need to live in isolation, I just want to be near God all the time, so I'm going to go sit on this mountaintop so I don't let no sin get next to me. If that's what God called you to do, do that. But don't come against everybody else who don't want to live on the mountain. 
But, but we talked about, I think it was the uh, last chapter, chapter before that, like what we're doing may not be a sin. Right. And everybody have their own convictions about what sin is. But what if what I'm doing causes Adrian to stumble? We're going to get there. He's going to come oh. back to that. That point is coming. I'm just trying to clearly make sure we understand that what is sin and what our personal conviction is. And now if you're like Paul and you say, hey, man, man, if I know the major going to stumble, I'll never eat another piece of meat. But everybody ain't going to care like that. So I can't get mad if Brother Purdue say, I love major, but I'm going to eat this chicken. I love him. I mean, I'm going to eat the chicken. Because I know it ain't, you know, ain't nothing wrong with eating the chicken. But now, when Major is with me, I may just eat greens today and some black eyed peas because Major with me. But the minute Major go home, I'm going to take care of the chicken. <laughs> you understand? For Major's sake, not for my sake, I'm doing that for Major. Somebody, that's why I read on, because y'all, I knew y'all were going to let me finish it. Now, I thought I was going to get past that. Though. So now, look, he just saying, now, look, when I was trying to make the point where y'all just got caught up in this thing, he said, now, look, man, when you start having wild parties, and, you know, I look at these shows now on TV, wilding out is the thing. It ain't a party unless you wild out. They, they talk about, hey, man, we're going to wild out. When you, you hear your children say they're going to go somewhere and wild out, you, your ears better go whoop, 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 whoop. Wild out, just think what the word say. Wild out. Somebody gonna have some weed, some alcohol, some drugs there, to help them to wild on, 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 on out, so that they don't even remember what happened to them. A lot of people end up in situations sexually because they lose their faculties at a party, and some person who is monitoring the wildness still sober, major. Aha, uh -huh. Major's to the point. She just about wild. He just about wild all the way. He ain't gonna even remember tomorrow. This is gonna be a blur. Man, it happens all the time. People go to parties and the next day they try to figure out what happened to me. There are people still like that date raping and all this craziness at these parties that people go to. And so when we come to church and we think that that ain't happening, it could be happening to some people that are sitting right in church. But they don't want to talk about it because they're embarrassed, they're ashamed, when they really need some help Amen. to deal with that, to say, okay, that's a blur, but God, can, God still loves you in spite of that. Pastor, you're trying to tell you, if you ain't never wild out, don't get caught up right now wild now. I'm not trying to take your little sparkling champagne from you and all that. I'm not here to do that. I'm just saying if you don't have to have it, don't drink it. Amen. And if you're going to drink it, Drink it in a safe environment when you're with, with folks that you know ain't going to take advantage of you. Amen. Okay, let me move on. Let me move on. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. So we, let's not forget that the Bible tells us to shun the appearance of evil. And when we're talking about the appearance of what's evil, that's a matter of how people perceive it. Mm -hmm. So if you're saying, I am saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost, fear, fire, baptized, or... or, or aspiring to be that way. It's some things that may be okay to do, but for you and who you are claiming and trying to stand as, it's not okay to do. Lawful but not expedient. It's okay to do by law, 
but at this time where you are, should you do it? Amen. And, and again, again, that's going to come up here. Y'all, y'all just, y'all reading to the end of the story. But, but the point I'm trying to make is that, is that everybody is not operating there. Amen. It would be nice if we was all operating there because everybody ain't heeding the warning. But they come to church and we ought to be concerned that we don't want them to come to church and then they all of a sudden wake up one day and find that God was not pleased. So that's why when you go to church, you got to at least teach the folk what the Bible say, stand on the truth of that, and then let the Spirit of God deal with everybody where they are. But what I don't want to become is a legalistic church where everything behind every rock is a sin. That ain't what we're trying to do. Because people got certain things that we can do that's not sinful, but like it said, and we're going to see this later, it may not be sinful, but sometimes you just have to ask yourself a tough question. Is it beneficial for me to do this? Do I need to do this right now? And see, it's easy for us to do this when it comes to wilding out and sexual immorality, but we don't do it when it comes to eating. We don't have no conversation like this. Well, okay, now we're hard on the partiers, the people drinking, hit a little weed, but we let the glutton get a free pass. We would never talk about, oh, the glutton, look at you. I done seen you went back and got three plates at the buffet. You just turn the eye, let them do what they're going to do. They're just enjoying the food. But if that was weed, you'll be condemned. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so that when we do that, then we, we, we then now categorize certain sins that we think are more serious than others, and then we hold people to a higher standard than we hold ourselves. And so once you go down that rabbit hole, you're going to have to start calling all sin. We know folk lying to them. And we just let them get away with it. And lying is one of the six things that made the thing that God hate. But we know somebody lying to them, man. You, you just flat out lying. You need to just shut up. <laughs> but we listen to that lie. What if that person had a little cavassier in their hand? Oh, you're going to hell. <laughs> that liar probably going to go to hell quicker <laughs> than that person that's having that cavassier. Because that liar is going to probably destroy a lot of people's lives with one or two words that ain't true. Where that guy drinking the drink, if he don't kill somebody on the way home or kill himself, he's just going to be drunk by himself at home and good. But man, when that liar starts saying something, it spreads quicker than alcohol. Y'all get real quiet right there. See, I know God has shut y'all up in a minute. I knew he was going to get there. <laughs> y'all, y'all had me down that rabbit hole finding other stuff. Let's talk about the things that... <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Let me read on. Let me, let me read on. Let me read on. Because we got to deal with the whole role. Amen? So he said, now look. He says, now, they were drinking and indulging in pagan reverie, partying. 
And we must not engage in sexual immorality because normally drunken parties end up with somebody having sex. But in the Corinthian church, that was part of worship. Temple prostitutes was common. So that was part of the worship experience. Orgies was normal. They went to church to have an orgy. He said that some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. So there is a consequence when you cut the food. Sin have consequences. The thing is that sometimes those consequences don't show up to later. You know, we ought to be glad that God don't kind of hit like he, you know, if, if, we, if God just hit one time like he hit in the book of Acts when Ananias and Sapphira lied like that, and the next thing they know they were dead. All we need is one dead witness in here, and I guarantee Lina just leaves driving. <laughs> Boom! Oh, they lied, they lied on the Holy Spirit. Boom! Gone. <laughs> I don't see God. We better be glad that God is a little bit more merciful than he was back then. Amen. Because you know, that day said, look, man, God, man, when God, when Moses came off the hill, the folk were cutting the food so bad that God wanted to wipe them all out. And God said, Moses, I'll make you a whole new generation just for you. But Moses had to plead with him to God relented. So we got a merciful God. He loves us. He sent Jesus to help us out. But back then, man, you know, God was kind of serious with these folks. So he said 23,000 died in one day. And he said, now look, nor do we put, this is verse 9, nor do we put Christ to test as some of them did and then died from snake bites. In other words, they start complaining and grumbling against God. And as they complain, God let snakes bit them. And then I told you this a couple weeks ago when he was preaching, the same snakes that was bitten, biting them and killing them, then when it was, they repented, God used the same symbol to save them. Moses had to make a carving image of a snake, put it on a pole, and everybody who looked up at it lived. But before they repented, that same symbol had the snake killed them. And I told you, that's why in the medical field, that is the symbol for, for the medical profession. A snake, two snakes wrapped around a pole. Right out the Bible. So, and, and the thing I, that I thought was very, very uh, unique is that the same poison major from the snake that can kill you is the same thing they used to make the antidote from. To save you. So when these people were doing things, God caused some things to happen in their lives. <clears throat> Excuse me. And look at this. He says in verse 10, don't grumble as some of them did. They was mad at God, mad at Moses. And then were destroyed by the angel of death. Again, all of this stuff can be found in the book of Numbers and, 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 and about the 21st chapter and, 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 and from on there. And so, again, this is written for what? So that we can learn from it our education Amen. so that we don't make the same mistakes that they made. He, now look, he tells again, these things happen to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us to live how to live up one us who live at the end of the age. In other words, they was written so that we can read this and say, hey, we got to learn from their mistakes so that we don't make the same mistakes that they made. 
Some people rather learn from experience. I'd rather learn from your experience. Amen. So if I see you get hit by a car, nobody going to have to tell me that getting hit by a car hurt when I see you all broke up. I don't need to say, well, let me just experience a little breakup in my life and walk out here and get hit. No, I don't saw Rob. Rob. I saw what that car did to Rob. I ain't doing that. But there are some kids that just got to get hit by the... You may have multiple kids in your family. One of them just going to want to get hit by the... Not to kill them. I'm not using that as an example to kill them. I'm just saying, they're going to want to learn that lesson the hard. They're not going to want to learn from somebody else's experience. They're going to learn from their own mistakes and their own experiences. Amen. So now look at this. He says, verse 12 says, if you think you are standing strong, kind of what somebody else was saying, be careful not to fall. In other words, he was saying the Corinthian church, you got to go all the way back to chapter 1 and all that. This was a very proper church, highly educated, influential, well, and you know they thought that they know so much. He was saying, look, if y'all think y'all that smart, once you start elevating yourself up in pride, you don't have nowhere else to go but down. That's right. So when you get so caught up and think that, hey, I'm beyond being tempted, I'm never going to be tempted out of it, then you may be setting yourself up for, for fall. You're only as strong as you allow the Holy Spirit to be in your life. Amen. And if he's weak, you're weak. Amen. He said, now look, be careful not to fall. Now look here. Then he said, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. So whatever you're going through temptation-wise, ain't new. You ain't got no new temptation that's pulling you away. And you know when I looked up that word temptation, you know, you know, just a desire, you know, to, you know, to do something that may not be desirable. And that made me think of, why did they name the temptations the temptations? Because they had some other names, but the name wasn't popping. But they named them the temptations. And most of their music back in the day was, I'm just saying, don't try, don't y'all get too holy on me right now. Y'all know y'all don't listen to some temptations. You too young. Some of y'all too young. Y'all don't know about it. But in my day, the temptation was it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the temptation was it. Yeah. That was the group, man. You know, temptation. Smokey was good, but he wasn't no temptation. Now, he may have been good to other folks, but the t temptation was, yeah, yeah. them boys were there. Yeah. Them the four tops. Yeah. I mean, I still remember Sugar Pie Honey Bun. I mean, just like, and that was 50-something years ago. But that's how much of an impression them guys made on our mind that our minds is this tape recorder that y'all looking at me now, y'all going to remember some of Jay-Z's stuff too. Yeah. Biggie. Yeah. <laughs> whoever y'all listening to, whoever y'all listening to before Jesus, <laughs> y'all still remember some of their stuff. I, I like it when Christians try to act like they've been saved. Man, this is your favorite on Sunday morning. Y'all act like y'all been saved all the time. <laughs> I ain't crazy. Yeah, Major said all the time on Sunday. We start off like we've been here all the time. We don't like to tell folk that before we got here what we listened to. 
And music is amoral. So don't get me wrong. But the content that's in the message in there may not be for you. An A note is an A note. A C flat is a C flat. But it's what we put with it, the content that is suggestive, that may cause you to do some things that you don't want to do. That's right. So what we got to understand here is he says, look, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. But God is faithful. And he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Now, that's a powerful word from God. So he's saying, now, look, and when, not if, but when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. The problem is flesh don't want to look for the Flesh don't look, flesh just don't look for the way out. Flesh is all in. Amen. So now this is a lesson you got to learn. That's a promise from God. So when your friends get tempted the next time, you need to say, hey, look here. We need to stop right now and believe that God then gave you a way. I want you to just close your eyes and say, God, show me to where I Because some of y'all may need it yourself. I said your friend, but some of y'all may need a way out. You came here tonight, and you online tonight to hear me tell you there is a way. Amen. You just need to look for it. But if you don't look for the way out, then now you're going to think that God let you down. And again, temptation is not a sin. Don't get me wrong. It is not a sin to be tempted. If that was the case, then God would set us up. We all be sinful. That's right. It's what we do and how we process the things that tempt us that make it sinful. If it's going to lead us to go contrary to what God's word say. So temptation, and a lot of times we see that, we just go straight to the set, but another piece of pie can be tempting. Amen. Amen. Everything in you saying, you done had enough. You done had enough. You done had enough. You done had enough. But about 30 minutes later, you give in. I just want a little piece of it. I ain't gonna eat the whole thing. I'm just gonna cut it in half and do a half of a half to make yourself feel good. But you just yielded to your temptation. And so we got to understand that to be tempted is not a sin. And a lot of time I think people think that's a sin, and so therefore people don't like to talk about it when they find themselves in tempting situations when they got to know that, hey, God then gave me a way out, and I need to be looking for the way out. He said, now look, in verse 14, he says, now, so my dear friends, he go back and now I'm going to start tying this back to idol worship. He says, flee from the worship of idols. Now, we got to make sure here that you understand the context here is talk about worship, because if you don't understand that, you will think that he's saying something contradictory to what he said earlier when he says, we don't believe in no idol God. For those that are mature, we know that there is no but one God. But here he says that now there is people who do worship idols. And he says now, you need to flee from the worship of idols. Meaning that if I know someone is inviting me to a satanic ritual, I ain't going there talking about I'm going to go there to be with them and fellowship with them. 
if I know that they hope it's going to be a worship experience. It's not talking about it, I got to end up in the, in the mall with them, I got to end up riding on the plane with them, or I got to end up at a social event, but it's talking about going into a worship experience. Man, this thing about worship is so serious that sometimes that there are people in certain religions that won't even come in a church because their religions say that they got to go to the hall. I've known people who won't even go to their relative funeral if it's held in a... Because never mind, I'm going into a temple that is not authorized by God, maybe. I don't know, but that's serious. Okay. So they do make some exception now. But I've known cases where people just didn't even go to relative field unless you say we're going to hold it in a facility that is not considered a church. So he says now, so, so he says, so dear friends, my dear friends, flee, run from the worship of idols. You can't, we can't worship God and an idol at the same time. So you got to put some distance between you and idol worship. Right. Not people who, you can't put a distance between everybody who, are, who, who may be idol worshiper because you're going to come in contact with them just the course of business. But when they say, hey, we're having a meeting tonight and we're going to go and, and, and call up the dead and talk to the dead for a little bit, do you want to come? No, man, I can't come to the meeting tonight. I, I love grandma, but I don't want to talk to her like that. You know, we, we, can, we can call grandmama up for you. You know, you want to have a conversation with grandmama? Come on over tonight, Major. We're we going to go and call grandmama up. Oh, man, that sounds good. I've been, you know, I've been missing grandmama all these years. I love to just hear what grandmama got to say. But you got to say, man, that ain't, man, that ain't from God. I can't go there. And so there are certain environments you can't knowingly put yourself in. Okay, so, so all he's trying to do is warn us that, hey, yes, there are people who are going to worship in certain ways that may not be beneficial for us, and if we know that, we shouldn't put ourselves in those environments. And even if we're talking about, well, I'm going there to witness. Well, if you're going there to witness, but you're going to partake in their worship experience, then that, you may need to catch them when they come out. That's just my, my take on that. You may need to catch them when they come out. So it don't look like you're being in the same, under the same influence of those demonic spirits that they're going to be under the influence of. He says, now look at it, Major. He said, now Major, you are reasonable people. This shouldn't be too hard. You're reasonable. Decide for yourselves if what I am saying is true. You're reasonable. Read God's word, and then you decide for yourself if you think that this word is true. Because you're reasonable. That's what he just said makes sense. That, hey, look, you can't give in to your fleshly cravings. Did it make sense? You, you can't go to no wild and out party. You're reasonable now. You just can't go. If you know that's all they're going to do is wild out. 
especially if you're going to wild with them. Amen. Now, just so your friend invited you to the party and you, now that ain't worship. They ain't, you ain't going there, they're going there to just have some fun. No different than you can go to a wedding and they can wild out. You got invited to your brother's wedding, your auntie's wedding, somebody's wedding, and at some point in time they may wild out. And it's okay for you to be at the wedding. You ain't got to be so holy, but auntie, I can't even come to your wedding. Because I know once y'all say the vows, y'all going to wild out. Yeah, y'all going to wild out. But now you can witness that. Because they didn't come there to worship. So you can be an influence in that environment. But if, if it's going to be a worship service, you shouldn't interject yourself in somebody's worship service that's going to introduce you to demons. That making sense? He says, now then he kind of tied this back to our relationship with God by using communion. He says, now look, when we bless the cup at the Lord's table, what we call communion, aren't we sharing in the, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? Talking about worship. Now get this. He says, although we are many, verse 17, we all eat from one loaf, showing that we are one body. Communion is about unity. Now back then, this was a true statement. That's just how they did it. They had one big loaf of bread or a loaf of something, and everybody pinched off of it. Wasn't no different individual cups. You, know, you ain't had no individual cups. We had to do that today. Y'all wouldn't even take communion. That ain't no right body. I got a pinch off that bread. I don't know what made your hand big, and he pinched before me. I mean, you know, I asked Angie, she told me, in the Catholic Church, they used to drink out the same cup. They just wipe it a little bit. That dog wouldn't have never hunted in the Baptist church. We just didn't roll like that. We just, we just didn't roll like that. We weren't going to do that. No, 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 no. Backwash, man. You ain't going to be no backwash. I know I love Jesus. But see, these folks saw themselves as being united in, in body. They was one. Now, I'm glad that we have come up with better methods of doing it because back then, probably what they was drinking was, you know, was going to kill all the germs. Because they probably had a little alcohol content, so you, you probably was all right. In some places, Paul said, look, it's better for you to drink the wine than the water. I know y'all didn't know. He told Timothy, hey, man, take a, take a little wine for your stomach. Stomach upset? Drink your little wine. Don't drink that water because it's got parasites in it. You know that now. You can go to some countries, man, you get sick as a dog because you ain't used to drink them. But you can go there and drink the alcohol, you'll be all right. Just a little drunk, but, but you... I'm just telling you, that's true. And I, the sickest I ever got was in my life, and I almost died. I didn't realize how sick I was. When I was in Turkey, man, I just got bold one day, and, I'm just, and I wasn't saved. I was just young then. I was just young and dumb. I just wanted to be like the Turks. I just wanted to go off base and have fun with them. I had a good Turkish friend, so I'm going to go downtown, and I'm going to eat just like they eat. I'm going to eat what they eat, and I'm going to drink the water. I ain't going to bring my little Clorox pill because I'm going with my friend. I'm going to just drink and eat what they eat. The food was good. i never forget, Lama June, whatever they were, little pizzas. Ate some of them things. About four days later, I was sick as a dog. Two weeks in the hospital on my back. And to this day, they could never tell me exactly what I had, but they found out 
all other kind of stuff that may be wrong with me because I was in there for so long. They ran every test known to man, but they traced it all the way back. Man, you shouldn't have ate the food. You got here. We told you, don't eat off base. And if you eat, drink water off base, take you some pills to drop in the water before you drink it. But see, y'all in America, y'all ain't, ain't never had to worry about that unless a hurricane come and they tell you, boil the water and put some Clorox in it. But there are folks drinking bad water all over the world. And, and they don't got immune to it, but you go over there and drink that same water, <laughs> you'll be almost dead in a couple of days. So he said, now look, they're talking about them breaking bread. He said, now look, and although we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread showing that we are one body. Now look at this. Think about the people of Israel, going back to make them remember who we started out. They were united by eating the sacrifice at the altar. In other words, when in the Old Testament, you go back to Deuteronomy, after they brought the sacrifice, part of it, the people ate some of it after they sacrificed to God. So that was their way of saying they were fellowshipping with God. They was having communion with God. So our way of doing that today is through communion service. When we go through the, the ritual or the process of saying, hey, we're going to identify with Jesus Christ, you know, the death that he's, his death and his blood that was shared for us. That is a, 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 a something that we do. In most Christian churches, communion is a key tenet. Everybody just don't agree on how it should be done or how often it should be done. Some churches, they do it every time they meet. Some churches, like us, they do it once a month. Some churches don't do it but maybe once or twice a year. Because he didn't say you had to do it on a certain schedule. He just said as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. So I'm not wrong for telling somebody, you know, that, hey, we do it once a month. And they say, well, you know, we do it every service. Y'all out of order. No. You can't say that. Now, in the Catholic Church, I think they have Holy Communion every time they meet. They celebrate the Lord's death. And so he was trying to show them how important this was and connect the, the relationship that they had with God to how it was looked at in the Old Testament. He said, now look, in verse 19, he says, what am I trying to say? Am I saying that food offered to idols has some significance or that idols are real gods? Now, if he said yes to that, then he would have contradicted what he told us in two chapters ago. So we know the answer to that. He says, not at all. I'm not trying to say that. I am saying that these sacrifices are offered to demons, not to God. And I don't want you to be to participate with demons. I don't want you to go to that worship service because you don't know who they're offering all this stuff up that you're about to eat, take any. They're offering up the demons, and I don't want you in that influence around them demonic spirits if you ain't got to be there. Now, if you go to the marketplace and you're at the banquet, you're at the wedding, you can't control that. But when they invite you to their worship experience, no. You, you ain't supposed to have that type of fellowship with them. Y'all following that so far? He says, now you cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons too. You cannot eat at the Lord's table and at the table of demons too. Again, worship, not social. This is worship. Okay? He says now, verse 22, what? Do we dare to 
roused the Lord's jealousy. Uh-oh. Major, you belong to God. And as a result of you belonging to God, he get jealous when you go out there and show your love to somebody else more than you love him. And he says, Major, you dare not rouse the Lord's jealousy. Man, that's serious. You don't want to do anything that's going to cause God to be jealous because he thinks or he believes that you have placed something before him. He says, do you think we are stronger than he is? No, we are not. He said, look, now this we get what y'all been trying to get all day. He said, now, you say, I'm allowed to do anything. But not everything is good for you. That's beneficial. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but everything is not beneficial. So that's where the check come in at is that, hey, I am, I'm allowed to do this, but now am I, is it going to be beneficial for me to do this? The problem is everybody in here will probably define what's beneficial to them in a different way. He don't give us to say, you know, one drink is beneficial, but two is not. You've got to define what is beneficial to you. And based upon how you define that, goes back to what Adrian was saying, then if you violate some things that is beneficial to you, for you, then that becomes. But a major in my beneficial is different. Long as we can't classify that as sin, then major can't come at me and I can't come at him. But I can be considered a major if he goes back to chapter 8 and he's that weak Christian and I'm with him. Then now I'm going to yield to major's desires because I don't want to be a stumbling block. Even though I got this freedom. And I can say, major, why are you, major, why are you putting me back in bonds, man? Why are you putting me back in bonds, major? I, I can have two ounces of wine with my dinner. Major, why are you putting me back in bonds? Why you want me to have grape juice, Major? Because you want grape juice. I'm free, Major. Major got a drinking problem. Then now Major's drinking problem become my drinking problem. Because while I'm with Major, as bad as my lips want that wine, I got I to gotta do apple juice. Because Major, not for my sake, but see, that's what we Christians don't like to yield to weaker Christians. I'm not saying they try to guilt you and put, keep you in bondage, but you know some of your friends are genuinely weaker than you are. And there are certain things you shouldn't be doing around them or in front of them, but you're doing it anyway because you don't care about them stumbling. Because you're free. I'm free to do what I want to do. No, no, no. You're supposed to be considerate of your brother or your sister. He says, let me get back to where I was at. 24, okay. Don't be concerned for your own good, 
but for the good of others. Sometimes you got to place others above yourself. And that's what Paul said last time, hey, man, look, if it means that Major going to have a problem with me eating meat, man, I'll stop eating meat forever when I'm with Major. Like you told him last week, you know, hey, if it means y'all going to stumble because, you know, y'all think y'all taking care of me, I don't want y'all to do nothing for me. I'd rather, I'd rather go without than to have y'all talking about, you know. No, man. So Paul was serious, man. Because so, he didn't want nobody to fall because of him. And that allowed him to be flexible around different people because last week we saw he became different depending on who he was with. <laughs> Major said he ain't going back to the pork shop. But anyway, let me go ahead and read on. He, verse 25. He says, so you may eat any meat that is sold in the marketplace without raising any question of conscience. In other words, none of y'all go to Publix and ask the butcher where that cow come from. You don't go there and say, where that cow come from? Before I buy that cow, I need to know where he came from, what farm he came off of, and, and you know, did they have a ritual over him before they took him to the slaughterhouse? You don't do that. And you ain't going to even start doing it. The man going to tell you, if you don't want it, don't, eat the, don't buy the cow. Don't buy the pork chop. Don't buy the steak if you don't want it. So Paul said, hey, if for you to live like that, you couldn't live in this world that we live in. Because you'll be asking those questions. You'll be asking the dentist before he starts drilling you. Are you saved? Did you pray this morning? I mean, if you're going to take it to an extreme. But, but he's the best dentist in town. Your friend told me, man, this dude can do it all. He's good. You ain't finna go in there and say, well, look, look did, you, did you pray this morning before you got up this morning? No, man, you're the best. As long as you're good at what you're going to do, I'm going to pray. For me, I'm going to pray. And so, so what we got to see here is that he was saying that, hey, there are certain things that we can't control, and because we can't control it, we can't let everything get inside our conscience till we become weak again. He said, now look. He says, so you may eat any meat sold in the marketplace without raising question of conscience, if you've got a stronger mind. And then he come back and say what everybody tried to use to justify, but the earth is the laws and everything in it. That weed come from the law. In, in the truth says, if the earth is the Lord, and, and, and it didn't say some of the things in it. Every, like, see, y'all just want to pick out the good thing that y'all consider good. So when, when the guy from Jamaica said, hey, Wayne, you know, the roster said, hey, it's good. It comes from the law. It comes from Mother Earth. Good. I ain't talking about medical. I ain't talking about medical. I understand. We own, we own a lot of things for medical reasons that come, that come from the earth. You know, codeine, you know, <laughs> come from, a, from, from some illegal substance. Codeine, you know, cocaine, codeine. And when the doctor tells you to take it, but pain, you take it. The earth is the Lord. The coke came from the Lord, so I need to pop this pill for this pain. 
See, you don't look at it like that. Because we have, I'm just joking now, but because we have accepted that as normal practice. But if you go back and look at the drugs you take and see where they come from, your, your mind will be open to it. The plants that they come from. All those plants, God created them, but for good uses. What happened is man will sometimes abuse what God has created. And when we start abusing his creation, then now what is designed to be good can become evil. So I, I, you know, I, I used to use that scripture right there myself. You know, that was a good one right there to shut him up. The earth is the Lord and everything in it. Amen. But we used to use it when we were trying, when I was, you know, when we were following the preacher that wanted us to know how to get rich. The gold belonged to God. The diamonds belonged to God. The rubies belonged to God. And if they all belong to God, you ought to have some of them. Yeah, that, you're right. I sure should. But I, I got off that train early. I didn't stay on that train. Because if I had stayed on that train, I would have been a prosperity preacher, you know, and I'd probably be riding better, a lot better than riding right now. Because I would have some more gold, a lot more diamond. Because I could use that scripture to justify major. It all comes from God. And when people are weak-minded and don't know that, it makes sense to them. It does, man. If you don't know the Bible and say, yeah, he's right. Everything comes from the Lord. Go ahead. If his motivation is greed, then yes, he's wrong, because greed is a sin. But if it's just a matter that the blessing is going to be spread around, then I wish all of us had some diamonds. Long as we ain't hard enough, we're greedy. Ain't nothing wrong with them. Diamonds are not sinful. Amen. Amen. And if you can afford them, you ought to have one, if that's what you want. But, but because I don't like them, don't get mad at me because I don't bling like that. But I can't get mad at you if you can bling a little bit. You done, you done paid your bills, you done did this, you did that, and now you just you got it like that, you want a little bling? I ain't got no problem. It's not my job to tell you when it's too much, it's too much for you. It's you and the Holy Spirit got to decide that. Because when I can look at somebody and say, oh, man, them too many holes. But to that person, this is my comfort level. Okay, that's you. You do you. And so we got to be mindful of that. When he says this, he was trying to get these people to understand that everything belongs to the Lord, but because everything belongs to the Lord, don't mean that we can abuse it. Let me hear him finish up. He looked and he said, look, if someone who is, isn't a believer asks you home for dinner, accept the invitation if you want to. If one of your people that you work with at the job and you know they're not saved, they invite you over for dinner, if you want to go, go. But then don't go there and not tell them what your dietary restrictions are. So when you accept the invitation, you ought to say, hey, look, I, I want to come over, but look, I'm, I'm a vegetarian, so I don't eat meat. If you, I ain't, ain't going to stop you. you. You cook what you want, but can you at least have some vegetables? But if you don't make that known, you can't get to the table and all of a sudden get super holy. 
Oh, God, you don't put this pork in front of me? I got to get out of here. No, you don't accept the invitation now. You should ask that question before you accept the, because now you're being rude if you break the invitation and you told the folk you were coming. So he said, if you want to. So major, you ain't got to. You can turn down every dinner engagement you get. So now I just don't eat at other folks' house because my dietary restrictions are so, so far to one side or the other. I'm not, I, I just don't want to put you through that. Okay, got it. We can do something else together. Let's go play a round of golf today. Got it. That's something we can both do. Then he said, now look, Adrian, eat whatever is offered to you without raising a question about your conscience. It's too late now. <laughs> you got to believe by eating that shrimp, it ain't going to hurt you right now. Just bless it and eat it. I know y'all don't want to hear that. Did you? <laughs> Let me go on and finish because I'm out of time. He said, look, but suppose someone tells you, now you going to a what-if situation, hypothetical, this meat was offered to an idol. Then he says, don't eat it out of consideration for the conscience of the one who told you. So I can eat it, but I'm not going to eat it because I don't want to mess him up. Not going to mess me up because I don't believe in idols, but because he's bringing this up right now, he must be doing it for a reason. So I'm going to say, no, I'm not going to Just give me some vegetables. It might not be a matter of conscience for you, but it is for the other person. For why should my freedom be limited? This is, this is why we say, why should my freedom be limited by what someone else thinks? If I can thank God for the food and enjoy it, why should I be able, why should I be condemned for eating it? And then this is what Paul comes back and says, hey, look, it's up to you, Major. So whether you eat it or drink it, whatever you do, you do all to the glory of God. If in the end you feel like God's going to get glory out of it, you do it. If you don't feel like he's not going to get any glory out of it, you don't do it. Then he says, don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or to the church. In other words, now you got to be flexible. Let's go back to his argument before. He says, I too try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. Going back to what he told us a week, couple weeks ago, we say, look, I became all things to all men, that by all means I may save some. So if I'm eating with Major this week, if I'm like Paul, I'm eating with Major and I know he's a vegetarian, that's what it's going to be today. I'm going to eat strictly like Major eat. But when I go to Brother Purdue's house, if I know he eats chicken, I'm going to have me a drumstick. Because I'm trying to win him. I'm not going to, you know, I'm trying to win him. So, 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 so Paul said, when it comes to trying to win somebody to the Lord, he was willing to be flexible enough based upon the environment that he was in as long as it didn't cause him to sin. Long didn't cause him to sin. And everybody don't have that flexibility. So you got to operate in your zone where you are in the Lord. And don't hinder somebody else who may be a little bit more mature than you who can operate in different zones and, and more flexible. Nothing wrong with that. Amen? I hope y'all got something out of tonight's lesson. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I want to call your attention to a couple of announcements.